Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Did you know that Brian Wilson wrote Don't Worry Baby for Ronnie Spector? I listened to it. It doesn't work. I mean, you can't imagine Ronnie Spector driving the car. You know, when you hear the Beach Boys singing, you go, oh, okay, I totally get But he wrote it. He admired her that much. Keith Richard, in introducing her to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, basically said, I'm in love with her. My friend Jody Forstock, who listens to this show, who is a doctor in Boca Raton, wrote me and he said, I had a crush on her. And I said, well, who didn't? Yeah. What was interesting about Ronnie Spector is what boy did not have a crush on her and what girl didn't look at her and say, I'd like to do that? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. To that particular point, Jeannie wrote me a note the other night that three guys she went to high school with got in touch with her. She, they heard what she said, and they said they, too, had a crush on Ronnie Spector. So all boys of a certain age are now in their 70s had a crush on Ronnie Spector. Let me start with a couple of emails. First from Jared the Gummy Bear Guy. That's how he signs his notes now. <laughs> Jared the Gummy Bear Guy. If I'm not mistaken, he's from Terre Haute? Yes. Right, in Indiana. He said, I heard you mention that the person you are related to by marriage took a liking to the Albanese gummy bears that had been earmarked for your daughter-in-law. I could not allow her to go unsatisfied, and perhaps she will convert Bootsy and the Hammer to top-shelf gummies as well. Michael can continue to enjoy Haribo, said derisively. I was happy to hear they've been a hit with you and your family. I hope the enclosed tribute finds you well. So let's rewind. I, yeah. I never said that I was a Haribo fan. I just said Haribo is a very specific flavor in that there one is flavor. one flavor. Four colors, one flavor. It's straight to the dentist. So those gummy Albany's bears. attempt to have different Oh, and you, you, can, you can taste the difference. Those were a big hit this weekend with the inclement weather. Sister-in-law discovered them, and the little, the little Bootsy has, just, has now had has a sweet tooth and mom goes off to the cabinet and tries to uh, to sneakily open the bag <laughs> and he stood there just pointing <laughs> pointing where's my waiting tribute? so yes. they like them he's not allowed to have them but they like them well, he's never he's ne oh yes they are a hit so in our we, house so we thank jared the gummy bear guy Absolutely. 12 flavors what were the name of the boots that I have that I like very much? Oh, your Keen boots. Keen boots. Somebody sent me those last Ross. year, year and a half ago. They're really, really nice. Don't send me stuff. <laughs> but those were really nice, I just had to say. I wear them. I put the crampon things on them. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. the Yaks tracks. And I wear them in the snow and the ice. They're really good. That's good. Um, along the same lines of Ronnie Spector from Brian Huggins in Des Moines, Iowa. It's been a long while since my last email, old sport. At the end of your and Gene's opening discussion on Friday, you mentioned you probably lost most of your audience. Your offhanded remark compelled me to write again. I'm no longer young. I'm a man. I'm in my 40s. And I was captivated by the discussion. You and Gene could talk about anything, and it would be a wonderful listen. In this case, your mutual love and encyclopedia-like knowledge for music, and especially music that defined your youth, is exactly the reason why I, and I guess most, love your show. The discussion was analytical and emotive, and now I'm on a Ronettes and Wall of Sound kick. I love sports, but I love smart talk about interesting topics even more. Mix in Gene McManus and it's gold, Jerry. On that note, I have two electrical outlets in my office. And with an inch of snow on the ground this morning, the Subaru drivers are already insufferable. We have from Shad, we have a haiku for Gene. Like Gene McManus, I raise a glass to a star. Thanks, Ronnie Spector. And I got one more I wanted to read from Mike O'Brien of Boston, formerly Revere. As a Pats fan, I was very excited uh, Sunday night about the upcoming Pats playoff game with the Bills. So that was the other day. Right. That was the other day. I love going to Bills games because it's a lot of fun. So I bought tickets Sunday night to the game for $150, which later dropped as low as $30. Drove from Boston, formerly Revere, to Buffalo and watched the Pats get curb stomped <laughs> in front of 70,000 Bills fans, which I felt happy for them. But let me just tell you this travel tip. If you ever go to a Bills game and look for lodging, I just want you to know that the Red Roof Inn in Hamburg, New York, is a no-bathroom situation. No bathroom. <laughs> also, the bathtub has, I'm hoping, some sort of plastic splattered over it. Picture below. So next time you're in the Orchard Park area, I'd suggest trying the Comfort Inn. Bring your own table. <laughs> when we did Monday Night Football, we, we went, and this was, I, have all, I will always remember this. I really like going to Buffalo because I enjoyed Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is a big deal for me. It's one of those, it's like the arch in St. Louis, just one of those things that I go to all the time and stare at it. So every time we went to Buffalo, I would go to Niagara Falls. But we stayed at a Marriott on the highway. I mean, it was, I don't want to use the word worst of all the places we ever stayed. It's not that it was the worst, 
but it was the least gaudy. It was the least established. It was the least sort of high-end. It was fine. It was totally fine. That's what they have in Buffalo. But it wasn't a Ritz. Okay, it wasn't a Ritz. And we were used to staying in places like Ritz's. So I've always remembered that in Buffalo because that's what you got. And having gone to school in upstate New York, I'm good with that. Sure. Not everybody on the crew was good with that. <laughs> I was good with that. Not it the was, Aviar in San Diego? You know, it was not It was not Aviar in San Diego. It was not. It was not. Um, what's that one in Dallas, La Colleen? Is that what it's called, La Colleen? Where they play the Byron oh, Nelson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it wasn't that. Las Colinas. Isn't Buffalo where they gave you a police escort to the stadium? Yeah. That must have been pretty cool as it well. It is. Well, if it's a good police escort and they get other people out of the way, <laughs> if it's just you're sitting in the traffic and somebody's <laughs> blowing a siren, it's not that big a deal. There's one other thing I wanted to get to in the beginning of this show, which... Oh, oh I'm sorry. It's I about got the outlet debate in my kitchen? No. Kitchen to family room? We're going to get to that when we get to the emails. going to get to that. This is about Dan Byrne. This is from Kenny Ray from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, who the other day emailed us about literally, as a, as a pilot, bringing in a ton of rice, <laughs> right. a ton yes. of rice from Thailand, a yeah. ton of rice. 2,000 pounds of rice. Yes. As the official Tony Kornheiser show correspondent from the 30A Songwriters Festival in Walton County, Northwest Florida, I wanted to tell you that I saw both Heather Maloney and Dan Byrne this weekend, and to highlight the connective tissue of your show. Having heard Heather Maloney on your show, I made a point of going to her performance at the Pearl Hotel in Rosemary Beach on Friday night. She shared the stage with a singer-songwriter named Kashona Armstrong, who I was not familiar with. Kashona's voice sounds like it comes from the deepest part of your soul. I wouldn't have known about her if it wasn't for hearing Heather on your podcast. Saturday morning, I saw Dan Byrne perform with Pat McGee at a venue called Raw and Juicy, some kind of vegan juice bar. Good luck getting any bacon with your breakfast, but that's okay. <laughs> Apparently, there are two raw and juicy locations in Walton <clears throat> County, two places with no bacon on the menu. Dan Byrne went to the wrong one. I guess he got there, looked around, and realized there's no music festival here and no bacon. Somehow, he made it back to the correct venue about 30 seconds before he was scheduled to go on, and having met Pat McGee, who he was sharing the stage with about 10 seconds before they were to start playing, by the second song, it was seamless. They were playing together like they'd known each other for a while, although Dan said that's why he writes songs that only have two chords. <laughs> Same with Heather Maloney and Kashona Armstrong. Dan played a song that was called Yoko Was a Beatle, an alternative reality in which John Lennon wasn't killed. Yoko joined the band, as did Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, and Neil Young. It's funny and brilliant as it sounds. I got a chance to talk to Dan Byrne after his performance. He said I was introduced to his music. Oh, I said I was introduced to his music from the Tony Kornheiser show, Connective Tissue. He replied, Lachiserie, which made my weekend. Let's just say the professional singer-songwriters on stage together, game recognizes game. Isn't that a lovely... That's email? fantastic. Dan Byrne's going to play today, right? We have a Dan Byrne song. We do indeed, yes. We'll play in Wilbon later. Yes. All right, this is the thing I wanted to get to. And maybe you have to be of a certain age to be very, very, very upset with what I'm going to say. Extraordinarily upset. Michael, did you ever see the television show Cheers? Yes. Does it register with you on any level? Not really, not my generation. Right, you were too young for that. On any list of the top 50 sitcoms in history, Cheers is in it. It may very well be in the top 10 of sitcoms in history. And no friends. It's... Well, I'm not a Friends guy, but Friends would be in that, too, and sure. Seinfeld would be in that, too, and I Love Lucy would be in that, too, and All in the Family would be in that, too, and uh, The Honeymooners would be in that, too, and then you got three or four you can pick on your own. But Cheers is going to be there. Okay. My Mother the Car is not going to be there. You know, stuff junk. Listen Sadly, up. Listen, listen up. up. <laughs> not going to be there. Well, top thousand, not top, <laughs> top 50 or anything like that. Cheers gave rise to the careers of... Um, the guy who played Sam Malone. Yes. Ted Danson. Ted Danson, big star. Mate was a big star, became a big television star. Woody Harrelson gave rise to his career. He's an Academy Award-nominated actor. Kelsey Grammer, who did the spinoff on Frasier. Everybody knows. You, you looked at Cheers. You looked at the Open. There was Norm. There was Cliffy. There was Sam. Carla. There was Carla, played by Rhea Perlman. <laughs> There was, what What was Shelley Long? What was her character's name? Diane, I Diane. think. Diane. Yeah, Diana, I can't remember. Diane. Yes. Diane. It's a great show. And, and what set the mood for Cheers? 
Well, in those days, and this is the 1980s, I'm thinking. Yeah, late 80s. In those days, every television show had a song before it. Every television show, not just an instrumental like they do now, or not just a couple of chords like they do now, but a real song. And the song to this one was Sometimes You Want to Go Where Everybody Knows Your Name. I don't know the name of the song, but it played in Cheers. You know, making your way in the world these days takes everything you got. It's a a song that says, we're going to show you a bar that's going to make you comfortable You're going to recognize your family in this bar, your friends and your family, and you're going to walk in there no matter what happened during your day. You're going to walk in there knowing, you know, your boys and your girls are around. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It's a great damned song. And now it's playing in Applebee's. (laughs) What? (laughs) Applebee's? I'm not going to try and insult Applebee's on any level. I've never eaten at an Applebee's, but I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. But how do you get that song? How do they allow you to use that song? That song plays in Cheers, a bar in Boston. That's the Cheers song. It's not the Applebee's song. Even though in the Applebee's they say this is to the the regulars. I get it. I get it. But they should be barred from you. Who allows that? Yeah. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. When you see it, you'll go, feels, whoa, whoa, whoa. That feels like sacrilege. That's it's, 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 Applebee. That's, get your own song. Right. And I know they're like, we're the neighborhood bar and grill. And so it's sort of that place. Come in and you'll, 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 you'll feel comfortable. You'll know everybody. Cheers. But it's Cheers. And it's maybe cheers. It's a very specific song for a very specific place in a very specific city. Applebee's are not specific. They're generic. Yes. They're fine. I'm not knocking them. But you shouldn't be allowed... You know what I'm saying, Michael? You shouldn't be allowed to have that song. I feel like you're a little bit fired up over this, but yes, Applebee's is trying to tap into that nostalgia and to that feel and into that just sort of feel of home and to the familiar and to you know, if you think about Applebee's as that chain restaurant, though it is a chain to us, to the regular or to someone who is go- frequenting it, it is becoming their own cheers. It is becoming their home away from home. Well, but you could say that about Ruby Tuesdays. Or you, you can say it about say you, you can say it about any chain restaurant, any you know, any cheesecake factory. Yeah. But it is going for that feel. I'm I'm surprised that they're doing it so sort of openly it's or so shamelessly. Blatant. It's shameless. Well, it's blatant. The, if 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 anybody's listening to this show who knows the CEO of Applebee's, just ask them how do you how do you do that? You stole it. You probably paid a fee for it. Oh, yeah. But it's Cheers. Yes. Although maybe people who watch Cheers are now so old, like I am, that they don't even remember. Or or maybe they're counting on like, oh, this is the Cheers song. That made me happy. So maybe I'll go to Applebee's and recreate my happiness. You know? Yes, I think that's what. But I'm just saying there should be a ban on this. Maybe they just put like a disclaimer in front of it. We're not actually Cheers. This is not Cheers. If you walk in here, Norm's not going to be here. (laughs) Cliffy's not going to be here. The fruit may. Carla. Suit may or may not be frozen. Not going to be here. Coach. Coach, you died early on. That's how Woody Harrelson got that job. That's right. Yeah. You know, that really was a fantastic. By the way, I I missed that. It was from 1982. So it was early 80s to 93. Yes. I sort of thought you were going to be going into the trajectory of, you know, family sitcoms or TV shows. I thought somehow this is going to end with How I Met Your Mother or, you know, the idea of, like, can you still have a show that's based around people at a bar today? No, I did not think it was going to be about Applebee's. Song theft. Yes. (laughs) Song theft. Yes. I'm sure it's not theft. Although it'd be so great if they just <laughs> thieved it. Didn't anyone ask for permission? Yeah. I'm sure the, the author of the song had to have been paid handsomely for that. Or I don't know who has the copyright to it, whether Cheers themselves do. But I'm know. sure money changed hands for that I one. I don't know. Well, it was like the first time I heard a Beatles song selling. It was Revolution, like way back in the day. It was the like, Toaster? Uh, no, it wasn't for the Toaster, unfortunately. I forget what it was for. I think it might have been for, for sneakers or something like that. And he said, the Beatles really should be using the Beatles to sell sneakers. Yeah. Anyway, we had some snow yesterday. I had about three inches at my house, and by the end of the event, the rain had washed it down to about an inch, inch and a half. Yeah. But three, so we've had like 14 inches of snow so far in Washington, D.C. in January, which is more than they've had in the last 10 years. And we've had very cold temperatures. When I awakened, this is for you people who care about the weather and the temperatures. When I awakened yesterday to take the dog out, it was 14 degrees. Yeah. It was really cold. Over the weekend, we had the coldest temperatures I think we've had since 2019. It's very cold. It's not Buffalo cold, but... No. Oh, God, no. It's D.C. Come on. (laughs) But it's going to be 50-mile-an-hour winds today, and that's Buffalo winds. You know, we could end up... 
I said this, the PTI show could go off the air today because of the wind. It's just possible. Anyway, we'll take a break. Speaking of the PTI show, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. God, he hates Jimmy Garoppolo. He <laughs> hates Jimmy Garoppolo. Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair, Reed. You may love your work, but do you love your office chair? You would if you got an X chair. I'm sitting in one right now. With an X chair, you can actually look forward to sitting in your office because your body will feel so much more supported and comfortable. And more comfort means more productivity, helping your X chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work you'll be getting done every day. What a way to sell it. <laughs> Buy this X chair, you'll do more work. It won't cost you anything. And if you fit so smart, and if you're feeling tight or stressed, just turn on the LMAX feature and choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, just flip on the LMAX temperature regulation and either heat or cool your lower back. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or the old DVL as we in the know like to call it, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. So try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com right now. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y dot com or call one eight four 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 x chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Some go long like Brady, last a lifetime through Picasso, who had a kid when he was 82. Then there's folks like Salinger, Barry Sanders, Bor Ben Gold, getting burned breath and say goodnight like Edgar Allan Poe. For you even barely know them, they're gone. Was it yesterday we were playing football on the lawn? See Mark the Bird Fidrich doing weird stuff on the mound. Did you ever hit a homer? Can you recall the sound? Did you see Ali in 65 when he was really fast? I'll give you name of Magic Johnson, Eddie Murphy, Serena's charisma, but I knew it wouldn't last. For we even barely know him, they're gone. I Orson Welles, Dwight Gooden, hardball after mass. Just give me one more long afternoon on the grass. Dan Byrne is a genius. He says he's driving through Texas, 870 miles across <laughs> I-10. Thankfully, he writes, there's this show in PTI to keep me company. He plays in Michael Wilbon. We're going to go in order. We're going to go in order over the weekend. Let's start with Vegas and Cincinnati. And what are your feelings? You know, the, the, it turns out that the touchdown, that's touchdown pass, where a whistle obviously blew. Yeah. And, and that turns out to be the decisive margin in the game. What do we do about that? Look, I think Cincinnati's a better team than the Raiders. And I think Burrow's going to be great, but that doesn't matter. The whistle had blown. Mike, you were always told, play to the whistle, right? Well, th th be beyond that, Tony, I mean, whoever the um, – that game was on – what game was that? What, CBS? First was that game. On CBS? And – No, person, that, was the, that was NBC. That was NBC, I thought. Yeah. Whoever the official is that they have as the, you know, the rules person, the referee, is, is available now in every broadcast as far as yeah. I know – that person came right out and said, "This this can't count." Yeah, just it, it's more than just play to the whistle. The, the the play is over. It's dead because the whistle's blown before the pass hits anybody's hands as a completion. It it can't count. Not it shouldn't count. Not oh, this is too bad. He says it cannot count by rule, but it counted. Yeah, it so did. the Raiders got hosed. 
Straight yeah, up. Yeah, and, and that turned out to be the margin. It wasn't at that's that the time. Seven-point game. That's right. So they got hosed, plain and simple. Burrow looked good. Burrow's going to be good, right? You he agree on good. Burrow? He's good yeah, already. He's, yeah, he's really good. I mean, good. And, and, I, and, and, and by the way, when you have Jamar Chase, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. the two of them, it's still Cincinnati. I, I got to see it more than one game at home in a wild card. Super duper 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 wild card weekend. Did you? Did I mean? Do you have your official toothbrush from no. Super Duper 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 Wild Card Weekend? Which clearly everybody was obliged to call it that. Every broadcaster was like sickening. Stop. So um, I ended up. I ended up hearing your words in my head throughout that game, which of course are these words: No, Tony, Cincinnati can't win. They're the stupidest team in the league, and they haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. Yeah. And they won, and they look pretty good. And, that, you know, uh, the, the Raiders ought to think they had a successful season, given all the stuff that happened to them. I they think they to. do. And the question is, should they keep that guy going forward, who did such a good job by them, for Versace them, you. and by yep. them, with them? Yep, yep. I would think you, know, I would think I, you I, give them a couple just, of years. Cincinnati, you know, when you, when you need a gift at home, uh, against a team that you, I think since then you must be the favorite. You need a gift at home like that. Eh, I'm not. I'm not ready to proclaim them the 1990 Bengals who got to the Super Bowl. Of course. Oh, I don't think they are. I think they're one and out. But but I still, that's troublesome to me. It, that's that was that was troublesome. What was yeah. not troublesome to me? New England. New England yeah. laid down. I mean, Josh I Allen looked really good. But New England. That game was terrible. That was yeah, terrible. Was. What'd you it's think of that? It, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just the, the, this is so. There were three playoff games out of the five. I just didn't watch, or I started, or there was a segment, and I right, and I, right. I was there three of the five. And I was just like, okay, no, no, I'm not watching this any any of this Buffalo, New England game, which of course comes as a shock. I mean, all these firsts for Belichick losing like this, and. So the and the Bengals, the first game of the playoffs was so exciting at the end, uh, and then to have that that second game be Buffalo and Josh Allen has looked great in stretches before. That's right. Is he going to finish it out this way? Don't or know. Is he going to go back to what he did, like even in the regular season, which was look overpowering at times and then just lay an egg? We we don't know. We do. Here's what I think we're confident in: that the Patriots have no particular offense. They have no wide threat. They have no particular running well, they back. They have no defense either. They gave up. No, they got killed. They got, ki- they got killed. Yeah, let's let's leave that game in the dust and go to yesterday's games. Tampa Bay Philadelphia is not much of a game, but no. two questions stand out. And Mike knows these questions because I called him yesterday to ask these questions. One, why in God's name is Tom Brady out there? In the fourth quarter, when the last three third downs, he's been sacked and he's 44 years old. Why is he out there? Because the coach is scared of him. Bruce him is afraid of Tom Brady. He's afraid of him. He's intimidated by him. He probably doesn't want to say anything to him even during the week. Attaboy. Attaboy is as much as Bruce Arians will say to Tom Brady. You cannot put him out there. Can't put him out there. You can't put him out there. And if you want to, if you want to make Bruce Arians the victim in that, I'll show you where he's not the victim. It's a minute and eleven left at the end of the game, That's and right. I understand. I understand that it is virtually impossible for a team to score two touchdowns on you because you'd have to get an onside kick after the first one and two two point extra points. I understand that it's virtually impossible, but it's not, not impossible. impossible. You're at the twelve yard line. On a fourth down, you're Tampa Bay, and you hand the ball off. No, you kick a field goal, and you yeah. make it actually impossible. No, That's they, Arians. That's crazy, they Mike. They all tell you now they got a card. You know? Analytics tell them to, you know, run the ball. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. It's, if, you, if you got my totally words insane. very accurately ringing in your ears about the Bengals, you ought to have my words for the last four years ringing in your ears, which are head coaching in the NFL stinks to heaven. That's, that's just nobody gets angry if you pile on those points because it actually makes it impossible for the other team to you win. You're the game. You know, what, what are you doing? What are you but doing? Th- this, is, Tony, what? this is what passes – for a head coaching decision making in today's NFL. 
Well, good, because now we're going to get to a head coaching decision that is debatable, totally debatable. And that is in the best game yesterday, San Francisco-Dallas. It's a really good game. It's a really good game. San Francisco goes out to a pretty big lead. Dallas comes back. I'll give you a few minutes to talk about how much you hate Jimmy Garoppolo, and then we'll get to the call and question at the end of the game. You hate Garoppolo. Go ahead. Chicago boy. Like yeah. Like Eastern Illinois. Like yeah. the way he comports himself. Like Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't understand. I mean, I can understand how you want to move on, but a guy leads you, quote-unquote, leads you to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and, you know, seems to always have his team in contention. And I got my, my dear friend Vince Williams, who you've met many times yep. over the years. Vince is a Niners guy. Vince is not from San Francisco. He's from Jacksonville. But he, he grew up in Jacksonville when there was no there's nothing. There's University of Florida. And he adopted when he went to law school in California, he, in Northern California, he, he became a Niners fanatic. And this is now 40 years he's been a Niners fanatic. And he hates Jimmy Garoppolo more than anybody. I'm like, dude, this is your team. This guy led you to the Super Bowl. He's like, Mike, you're not, you're not paying attention like you would to Jay Cutler. You're just not. And I, yes, this goes down to yesterday. And Vince is whining, and they're up 13 in our text chain, which includes other people you know, Vince and Don and all these people. Everybody's just saying, Vince, shut up. You want to trade with the Bears? Because they're not in the playoffs. You got a whatever the point lead it is. Stop with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I had choice words. None of them I can say on this quality programming. (laughs) Then... Jimmy Garoppolo does three, he makes three mistakes you cannot make as a veteran quarterback in the NFL, whose team has already replaced you. They hate you. They clearly hate you, too. Because they have gone out and traded up and drafted a guy from Mars who's Trey 12 Lance. years old yeah. to take your place. <laughs> yep, yep, traded up for him. And you overthrow a guy, but when, you, when you're up, whatever it is, 16 or 17, whatever it is, you overthrow a guy who's right in front of you by three yards in the air. Just overthrow him. Okay, you make one mistake. But that led to one you know, occasion of opponent scoring. Then, when you're still just sitting on the lead, nearly trending around the clock, you throw one of the worst interceptions imaginable. The guy's standing in front of you. You can reach out and hand it to him. You overthrow him by three yards. That leads directly to another Dallas Cowboys score. And then, when you're trying to really just run it out and get a first down or two more. You can't hit Kittle, who's seven foot eight. You can't hit him in front of you in, in the flat. You skip it in. The pass is so bad, it's incomplete, and you get lucky because Dallas had, gotten, had recovered the ball. That's exactly right. It's unbelievable now you, how bad t- he is. And I had to go right. I'm, I'm in the text chain. I just go, Vince, I'm sorry for everything I've said 40 years in a row. <laughs> I'm sorry there is, for all of it. There is something that should be said. Is, he, he, he is right now a bum. And he's There's something the that should be said. Oh, my he made, God. He made How the bad sneak. can he be? He made the first down on the sneak. They were going to win the game, and they called them for motion. Illegal yeah. motion. Trent Williams yeah. didn't get set or something like that. Right, right. And then Dallas gets it back, which leads to the play of discussion, which is the quarterback draw. Now, I understand you don't want to start chucking things into the end zone from 40 yards out. I get that. I don't have a problem with the quarterback draw. I guess my problem is that Dak didn't get down quickly enough right, you give to make up. sure. Yes, to, I have to. And he did not do that. What, what, what do you think of that play? What did you think of the way it ended? Well, the, 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 there are times, I don't know what the discretion is here. But r- r- officials, whoever steps in, that, they could say, we'll give you one more play. Spot the ball, so mark the ball. Line judge. They guys put clock, they, they hold up the clock there all the yes. time. They yes, step they in and say, the other team, you can't do this because that team uh, deserves a chance or has earned a chance or by law, by rule, has a chance to, uh, to, to, to substitute here. There are all kinds of times where officials stop play. They point to themselves and say, we're stopping play, put two seconds back on the clock. I, I have to know why they couldn't do that there. And I'm sure we'll read about this all day or hear about it. They didn't, they didn't do it. I, don't, I, wasn't, I was rooting against the Cowboys just because Mike McCarthy, really? 
They're going to fire him today, don't you think? Fred Flintstone. Don't you think they'll fire him? Don't you think Jerry will fire him? I do. That's why the offensive coordinator should not go on any more interviews because he'll be the coach. Like, I don't know which guy I would have been angrier at who I would have been less likely to allow on the team plane at the airport. Jimmy G or Mike McCarthy. They both don't return with the team. I just say, you know what? I got better than you for next week. We don't need you. I mean, Fred Flintstone, this dude is, man. (laughs) Yeah. And I got got my brother on the same text chain saying to me, Mike, you know, you and everybody else, you you guys are stupid about Mike McCarthy, his offense is this. I'm like, Don, he couldn't manage a clock better than your son, who's a college student. There's no way he can measure the clock as well as Jordan Wilbon. He can't. And this is every week. It's every week he can't manage it. Every week he looks like a big brontosaurus eating dope. <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry. You know this has bothered me increasingly. How do these people have jobs in the NFL? Don't tell me that today's coaches, and, and I, yes, so a guy like Kyle Shanahan, you know, he looks great except he's got a, a, a dope every play, you know, for quarterback. Don't tell me these guys measure up to, 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 to Joe Gibbs and, 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 and Bill Parcells and Jimmy Johnson and Bill Walsh and even Marty Schottenheimer. Don't tell me. They don't. Oh, my God, they're terrible. Oh. So I, I, I watch these things, Tony. They're comedic, these coaches and their decisions. Let's go for it. Ah, it's the first quarter. We're three minutes in. Listen, the, 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 the points Kyle Shanahan needed on those field goals from Robbie Gold, he needed them. Yeah. Maybe somebody should be paying attention. Field goals count for something. No, let's go. Every, Robbie Gold every, had a great everything day. to everybody now is a Tom Brady, you know, mic'd up situation. Let's go! Uh, what? So these games, man, two of them were breathtaking. It, and even only, totally, only one of those two, though, wasn't just filled with dopehood. And that was the first one. Yeah, the and Raiders was, and that Cincinnati. Was Cincinnati and the Raiders. That was both exciting and, and, and well played and seemed and last, to have decision making that was responsible. Last night got out of hand because Mahomes, you know, last night, you know, just got out of hand after well, a while. So there's no we, point. As we thought, because the other, only one team had a team. That's right. So that wasn't. That's right. No, that wasn't. That didn't have. I mean, Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin, who are in the group of great coaches that you would compare to any era. That's Those right. guys were not going to be dopes. But the, the rest of the weekend was just, wow, it was filled with it. I mean, we're, so, we're, so what do we lead with today? We lead with Cowboys uh, uh, 49ers? I think you have to. we lead with? I would think so. I think so. Yeah, don't you? I guess, I, I guess it, had the, yeah, it had the most drama. It was more recent than the, than the game on Saturday at 1 or noon or whatever it was. I guess yeah. so. Um, That's what I would lead with. dissect, you know, all that went on. Plus, maybe we'll have some clarity. Did, did, I mean, did you listen to any Mike McCarthy stuff at all? Did, did he explain I anything? listened to him explaining why he made that call, why that was the right okay. call well, you'll be on the draw. Because I, I just couldn't yeah. take it anymore. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to law and order organized crime. I got okay. three weeks of that, and I was not right. going to listen to Mike McCarthy. I'll talk to you later. Mike and Will, Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Liz Clark will join us when we return. We're going to talk about Novak Djokovic, who was deported. He was deported from Australia. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Whether it's finding a signature color, wearing a more flattering cut, or getting a new statement piece, the right detail can take your wardrobe up a notch. This year, let Indochino take care of your 2022 style edit. You can customize everything from suits and shirts to chinos and bomber jackets. They have bomber jackets at prices more affordable than you might expect. Nigel, you have bought suits. You haven't bought a bomber jacket. I have not, but I was on, after I, I looked at the copy, I was looking at some of the bomber jackets. They also have trench coats. It's, it's a lot of great stuff in there. And I love the suit, so I, I, know, I think I now have to get one of the bomber the jackets. trench coat very fitting for you. <laughs> yes. Bomber yes. jackets are cool. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. 
Every piece is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail, as Nigel has done. Choose everything about your suit, including the fabric, the lapel, the monogram, the statement linings. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start from just $429, and their shirts from $79, with all customizations included. So give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. And you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the purchase per promo code. I'm so excited about this that my tongue got tied. <laughs> using the promo code TonyK at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code TonyK. Nigel loves this stuff. If Nigel loves it, we love it. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Saturday Evening. It's by a group called, we've played them before, Norwegian Soft Kitten. Love the name. <laughs> Glenn Burgitz and Alan Green are Norwegian Soft Kitten. And they've released a second album on loan for the un- from the universe. And they write, is it better than Abbey Road? And Sgt. Pepper? Probably. <laughs> Here's the link where you can access the singles in the entire album, and it's runningshot.com. It's too long. Our first single is Saturday Evening. The B-side of that is Never, the next to last song on the album. We're able to springboard the airing of your podcast from our first album into picking up radio airplay in stations in the U.S., Canada, and England. We also landed the Queen Kitty, the British woman who is our acclaimed biggest fan. On a sports note, we also don't believe anything Novak Djokovic said. But then we don't believe anything anyone says except Tony. Norwegian soft kitten. They play in Liz Clark. And we talk about Novak Djokovic. Can, can you, but you've been working on this story for a week. Can you just sort of sketch out the timeline that led to Novak Djokovic being deported from Australia? Yes, but can I just say how much I love that name, Norwegian? That's a great, yeah, it's a great name. And I await their single, Hairball. So Novak, not to back it up too much, but from the moment he landed in in Melbourne, uh, believing and and actually having an exemption from the COVID vaccine in hand, there was a problem. You know, his exemption didn't meet the muster of the federal standard, um, so he was detained. Um, Fast forward, he was... Uh, he had his visa revoked ultimately twice. He was twice sent to uh, a government-sponsored hotel where uh, immigrants and travelers in limbo uh, are, are held um, or housed. And uh, the, the culmination came over the weekend, middle of the night, for us when um, a three-judge federal panel, um, this was Novak's last-ditch appeal, uh, agreed to sit on a Sunday, which is very rare, to hear, um, to, to, to answer the question, was the final revocation of his visa, which was the act of one man, the uh, it, um, immigration minister of the country who has very broad powers, did he act reasonably? And so they were simply focused on that question, not all the other things that made you scratch your head or wonder um, about why he got the initial waiver and, and was it legit, legitimately gotten. So he is deported, right? Yes. He's out. They sent him on a plane out. They said, oh, yes. get out of this country, which, by the yes. way, makes you think he'll never play in the Australian Open again because he won't even want to play um, no. unless he needs it for the record. Well, OK, but he's deported. Why um, the minister, Alex Hawke, did yes. he do this, in your opinion, or from everything you can glean? Was it done for political reasons? Was it because his party was running again and he's, he's friends with the prime minister who's in a certain amount of trouble? Was it politics? Um, now, I don't, I don't see it that way, um, but certainly others do. You know, Novak's supporters see it as, as politics. And, you know, every, basically everyone in Serbia, from the president on down, see right. Novak as like a Christ-like martyr, you know, victim of politics. The Serbian president said, uh, you know, yesterday he had basically been assassinated by Australia and, you know, filled with 50 bullets and treated like a mass murderer. So there's no shortage of rhetoric there. 
Um, I, you know, I'm not in position to say politics were not involved, but to right. me, there's just so much, so many other issues that are more clear, bright line. Um, things that, that really speak to Novak's responsibility in this that, to me, come to the fore, the Alpha and Omega being this never would have happened if he had simply gotten the vaccine, as was made clear, was a requirement Months ago. for competing. Months ago, the Australian Open Months said, ago. if you're not Correct. vaccinated, you're not playing. This, this didn't, this didn't uh, creep up in the middle of the night. Correct. Months ago, they said this. And then Djokovic played footsie with it for months. Now, everybody knows how I feel about him. I don't believe a word this guy says. I don't believe these are innocent mistakes on his visa application at Mm. all. Not Mm. at all. I believe he's a stone cold liar and a very haughty and disingenuous human being. That's what I believe. But I don't Mm -hmm. run the Australian Open. What do you believe about him? Do you believe it's valid you know, because of the way he comported himself, do you believe that that this whole thing is valid? Because I do. Wow. So, so the boy, there's a lot there. So, what do I believe about Novak? You know, he is a stone cold killer when it comes to winning on the court, uh, amassing majors, holding on to his number one. Now, let's right. be honest. We expect nothing less from champions. I mean, his job is to win. His and and I I tried to write about this last week uh, to to make clear that I I think so few uh, sports fans and and so few people in general understand the lengths to which champions go across all sports for any any advantage. They are rarely nice, well-rounded people, at least when they play, because they cannot be. Their goal is not about thinking of the greater good. Their job is not to... Um, to be considerate of others, their job is to win, especially for athletes uh, when your body is the weapon. In other words, like not race car drivers, you know, when your body is the weapon and you know the clock is ticking, you are in your 30s, you shut out every person who doesn't get you to your to your end game you shut out every issue that doesn't advance your cause in Novak's case he truly believes um, as we know that this extreme diet extreme regimen of yoga tai chi um, stretching he he is obsessive about his preparation what goes into his body unlike Aaron Rodgers he's never said the reasons for his um, his aversion to the vaccine or his refusal to get it. He's never spelled that out. But it, it's in keeping with, to me, an, an extreme obsessive athlete who uh, believes everything he puts in his body and his mind, in fact, affects his performance. And he is number one in the world for a record weeks. So he obviously thinks he has the formula figured out and he's not going to let someone else tinker with it. I really can't take issue with that. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a person I choose to be my best friend, you know, but, um, but that's his job. Had he talked about it, had he explained himself, don't you think it would have gone easier on him? You mean as what happened in Australia? You know, I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I do think there was grounds to not let him play. And I think there is so much blame to go around and why this turned into a circus, a travesty, a regrettable series of, of events. Again, Novak's decision, Alpha and Omega, but no one comes out of this this well. So I don't know that him talking about it would have helped. I mean, I will say, even though I think the right decision was reached, the right outcome, although there's just something I still can't get my mind around about a number one world champion athlete literally being deported. You know, it's just, it's just, it's so hard to grasp. The point I'm meandering toward is that I really take issue with the ultimate the rationale for the ultimate decision. In other words, I'm not at all comfortable with the reason the immigration minister cited in making his, you know, fiat-like decision, he's out, 
and the fact that this three-judge panel endorsed it. And that had nothing to do with the falsehood on his um, documentation. It had nothing to do with the fact that there's a conflict between the state requirements and the federal requirements. It had nothing to do even with questions about maybe did he truly test positive when he said he tested positive, and did he not miss the deadline? And the fact that 97 of 100 other players were vaxxed, many against their their uh, choice, but they understood that was the requirement, blah, blah, blah. Those are many, many good reasons. But the whole thing rested on what I would say is fear-mongering, which is the immigration minister saying, you know, we cannot have him in the country because he poses a risk to good order, to to the health and wellness of our country. Not that he's going to go around infecting people, but that he will become a symbol of anti-vax views, and his very presence will give oxygen to, will um, sort of activate anti-vax sentiment here in this nation where yeah. we've been so successful. And I, I agree just with find the idea of deporting basing, based on beliefs and based on a hypothetical, I, I'm not down with that at all. I agree with everything you've said. I would have bounced him for lying on the application. Yeah, you could have done he that. He totally lied. Yeah. And he was haughty about it. And I'd have mm-hmm. bounced him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in your stories you quote a bunch of other players. Mm. Uh, what is there? Did you get a sense of consensus? I mean, mm. there's a lot of players who say this shouldn't have happened, and other players say it's Jovac's, uh, Djokovic's responsibility, and and he should have, like Nadal says that, and yeah. Kyrgios, yeah. who's a wild card anyway, says what he says. But do you have a sense from what you've read? Um, is, is there a consensus, or are we split down the middle? Definitely not split down the middle. I, there, there is a consensus. Um, that, I mean, let, let me back it up. I mean, the consensus is this was uh, really grating. You know, people, players were fine to sort of ignore it and not engage in the politics of it or not engage in, in the, the confusion of it for the first five, six days. But, but as it got closer to the tournament, and this was the narrative consuming the entire tournament, and every time they had to do a press conference, they were asked, what do you think? Is this yeah. a, a distraction for you? Yeah, it became an annoyance. No player um, wants to answer questions about other players. Almost no player wants to engage in what is perceived as politics. Nobody really wants to go at Djokovic. I mean, there's, there's widespread uh, acknowledgement of his, um, of his excellence in the game, the way he's pushed other men, and in some cases tried to advocate for other players. So nobody really wants to go at him. Um, but it gets to a point, it's like, Come on, you know, almost 50% of the men who are vaccinated in the top 100 did not initially do so. There was widespread skepticism, as many elite athletes are skeptical, like, what is it I'm putting in my body? I don't know, you know. So, but, but almost all of them agreed grudgingly to get this done, to get fully vaxxed. Tsitsipas was one, um, but but there are others. So, you know, it's not just like pro-vaxxers are saying he's bad because he's anti-vax, but it's it's people across the spectrum like, damn, I didn't want to do this either, but it was a clear requirement and I did it. So can't you do it too? And why am I having to waste my headspace on explaining how I feel about you? So a lot, so the consensus isn't, it's not like everybody's uh, speaking out. People just want this to be over with. And in a way it is, although it's going to be the narrative at every single tournament going forward where Djokovic enters or uh, tries to uh, appear in. Let me get you out of here on that. The legacy part. Mm. The legacy part. If he wins another one, is he viewed with less adoration because of this? How important ultimately do you think this will be to Novak Djokovic's reputation and legacy? Yeah, well, this 
undercuts that an issue we've talked about before, which is, are you a strict stats guy, or do you expect more of of the greats, you know, whether we're talking about baseball or tennis? And I want to talk about tennis here. So there are always going to be people who say he – he, he will not be touched by this whatsoever. He will be the greatest because he has the record for weeks at number one. He has a, the head-to-head advantage against both Federer and Nadal. You know, if, if he gets to 21 and they don't, you know, case closed, even if he's at 20, there, there are people who say case closed, greatest ever. You know, I've never been in that camp. Um, I, I do believe that there is a component uh, that that is – that is, I hate to say ethical, because that's more narrow than I mean, but there is a component of, did you leave your sport better than you found it? You know, and that it really is what legacy is about. What did you do for your sport? You know, Billie Jean King, what did you do for the earning potential of women who came after you? What did you do for notions of fairness and equality while you were winning? You know, what did Megan Rapino do for women's soccer while she's winning and scoring every damn goal? I mean, she, she did a lot. And I think... Um, you know, if I want to say greatest ever, I don't compartmentalize, uh, you know, only the things that a, a computer or stats program can tell me. It, it's deeper to me. But that's me. I agree with that. I think that there is more to it. And I mm-hmm. think this has hurt him and it will mm-hmm. carry with him whether he wins another one or not. And I think people will also flash on the fact that he was thrown out of a tournament because he whacked a lineswoman in the head that with a too. ball. Whether that he meant too. it or not, Correct. you know, he did it because he's always, he always thinks the sun rises and sets on him. He does. Maybe yeah, you need to. Yeah, but I mean, maybe you need to do that. The elite yes. do that. We cannot cheer them. You know, because they're the greatest in the world, and and then say, well, why aren't you like everybody else? Why aren't you nice? Why don't you? You know, it's like there's time for nice after they retire. Again, I mean, that is, it's just have awareness. You know, don't conflate greatness with goodness. And so many people do that. Like he's a great tennis player. He's a good guy. That's not really what he's paid to do. You know, and and he has done a lot of good. You know, in his defense, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, and 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 also he had the ugly meltdown at the uh, recent Olympics when he yes, was he trying did. to go for the Golden Slam. You yes, know, blasted a ball in anger, had the meltdown. Um, so, you know, he operates at a razor's edge. Uh, and you cannot be great, just like a race car driver cannot be great, if you don't operate on the razor's edge of crashing the car. And and that is the price of greatness. And it's it's often ugly and dangerous. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Liz Clark. Wonderful to hear her voice. We'll take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. One, two, three, four. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of your folks. That's Greg Rosendahl and Lindsay Merrill. It's lovely. It's always very lovely to hear that. Najee, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? It's a holiday, and you went to Bethesda Bagels and got the sandwiches. Well, got the sandwiches. Very excited for the uh, the egg sandwiches, egg, egg and sausage, right? Yep. Egg and sausage. Um, you can get those, too. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That just, just, blah, 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 blah. that just about does it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say... I want to do this correctly. I had a friend who was a big baseball player back in high school. He could throw that speedball by you and make you look like a fool, boy. I saw him the other night at this roadside bar. I was walking in. He was walking out. We went back inside, sat down, had a few drinks. But all he kept talking about was glory days. That's Bruce Springsteen, kids. That's a really good song. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Liz Clark. Thanks to today's sponsors, Indochino and X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. What did you want to talk about at the beginning? Of no, the- I just wanted to, I wanted you to settle something about the Another outlet one. debate in my kitchen. You can't count all of you can't. So Dad, just because you look into that space doesn't mean you can count that as the kitchen. Mom and Dad outlets. come over to our house Saturday morning to check in on us, see the boys, and Dad standing in the kitchen. I I nervously start playing um, that thing you do out of the speakers. 
I see him tapping, dancing. Before I note, I, before I turn away, his eyes I see darting around. He's yeah. counting, counting yeah, the like, outlets. But he doesn't. He does not <laughs> count if he can't see the outlet. If it's say behind the fridge, I don't think that that counts. doesn't count. I don't right. think that counts. I think it's visible outlets. I think that's the rule. Visible outlets. Yes, that's the rule. And visible outlets in the kitchen area, not in the family room area. As not well. down one step. No. Uh, from Travis in Warrington, Virginia, as a resident of Warrington, <laughs> Mr. Graham Ramsey needs to shut up. Way to take a good escape route south and ruin it by announcing <laughs> it to the entire D.C. metro area. Mr. Ramsey, I hope wherever you go, you find traffic. From John Addy in Culpeper, Virginia. Happy New Year to you and the whole crew. I just finished listening to a show. How many sockets do you have? And the final email you read from Graham Ramsey struck a chord with me. As a current Duke Law School student who calls Culpeper, Virginia home, I feel uniquely qualified to wholeheartedly endorse Graham's route down to Pinehurst. The route therein described is more scenic, more relaxing, no white knuckling down I-95 and more fuel efficient. Somehow my little Ford Ranger uses about half a tank to get to Durham down this route, compared to three quarters of a tank when using I-95. It does take a bit longer, but on balance, I second Graham's recommendation. You correctly predicted that there are fewer rest stops, but plenty of gas stations tucked away. I have the bladder of a small sparrow, so I'm sure an old geezer like yourself would be just fine. From David in Charlottesville. Twice on Monday's show, when discussing the obduracy of Novak Djokovic, you said that Australia is a different country from the United States. That's helpful. Thank you. I had that wrong. P.S. It's very funny. P.S. If you follow the directions to Pinehurst provided by Graham Ramsey of Halifax, Virginia, and travel down Route 15, be sure to have lunch at the Barbecue Exchange in Gordonsville. Mr. Ramsey is correct. 15 is beautiful. Zion Crossroads will provide an ample option for a bathroom. P.P.S. Please tell my friend James in Charlottesville to eat it, but he does indeed look great in purple. Thanks for allowing me to join the conversation, as we used to say. Brilliant email. That is good. David in Charlottesville. From Brian in Warrington, Virginia, the emailer who suggested going 66 to 29 to avoid 95 was right. It's a better route. I live on that stretch of 29. There are plenty of Wawa's and sheets for you and even a new Royal Farms. There are tons of great breweries, wineries, and distilleries to stop at. I'd be glad to show you and Michael a few in the Warrington area. Stop in Culpeper and go to Piedmont Steakhouse and get a tomahawk ribeye. You won't regret it. But the emailer was wrong about one thing. Every and insert a Carville word here that we can't say, and the Prince William drives that stretch at 29. They can't drive at all. You'll be given so many TK salutes, you will need to stop to ice your saluting finger. I'm Michael's age, lived out here for half my life. I get rear-ended every other year because these people can't pay attention to a red light. So yes, better traffic, nicer drive, less stressful off to Warrington, but drive Gainesville at your own risk. I would suggest taking 66 to 17 and picking up 29 in Warrington to avoid that crap hole of traffic near Gainesville. <laughs> Brian from Warrington, Virginia. <laughs> from Gail Armstrong. With so much going on in the world, I bring to the forefront my most pressing issues so far this year. I'm sorry, but I can't bear it any longer. It's not Haribo. It's Haribo, <laughs> as in bow and arrow. Haribo. <laughs> from Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi. He's been with us forever. I'm grateful for that. I totally agree with the littles who are touting the superiority of the Albanese gummy bears. They've been my favorites for quite some time. If you try them and find that you don't like them as well as the Haribo bars, bears, send me a box of that. Will in Denver. It's been a while since I've written, but listening to you praise Haribo over Albanese was more than I could stand. The Albanese bear is superior in flavor and texture. Plus, unlike when eating a Haribo product, at no point does one get the sensation of chewing on rubber. <laughs> P.S. Word on the streets is that the new name will be Washington Sewer Rats. <laughs> From Scott Turner. In Knoxville, Tennessee, I just wanted you to know that your Mitch Album podcast has created a monster of my father. He's been making obscure references to your show for the entirety of my life, often at completely inappropriate times, and always leading to confused looks from others. I didn't think it could get any worse, but I was gravely mistaken. For the past few weeks, which have felt like months, he's been telling anyone and everyone to go listen to your podcast with Mitch. Every night at dinner, he tells us who he has bullied into listening over the past 24 hours. The list includes distant family members, multiple pastors at our church, and most of my father's employees. Mitch even inspired him to start giving money to every homeless person he sees. While walking downtown this week, he gave a homeless man a couple of dollars, which the homeless man thanked him. My father then responded, don't thank me, thank Mitch Album." I thought to myself, great, now he's quoting a niche podcast about the daily problems of a wealthy orange man from Washington to homeless people. As you can see, this is getting completely out of hand, and I worry how far it will go. If he starts getting ideas about opening an orphanage in Haiti, I'm going to have to sue you and Mr. Album for my lost inheritance. <laughs> from Reed Petway, who has done this before. He's written us before. I was listening to your podcast while sitting at my desk in our farm office in Lucama, L-U-C-A-M-A, 
Lucama, Lucama, North Carolina. When I was shocked to hear Michael mentioning stopping in Wilson, North Carolina, on his way to battle the I-95 traffic debacle. He mentioned stopping at that exit previously to swing by Chick-fil-A, Wilson's biggest addition, and then stopping this time at Starbucks, Wilson's second biggest addition. What made me smile the most was knowing that he was just a short 10-minute drive into the country from our sweet potato farm and packing facility out in Lucama. As seems to be tradition, I would like to name and claim our farm, Scott Farms, as the official sweet potato packer of the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'll be waiting for the plaque in the mail. <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Isn't that nice? That's great. Scott Farms. From Nick Valianoff. Long time little out in the land of Wilbon. FYI, Haribo, not Haribo, <laughs> is buying a brand new facility just south of Milwaukee to make your wonderful gummy bears. Now you can feel better that the gummies that can survive nuclear warfare are American-made. So if they're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that's relatively close to Terre Haute, Indiana. Yes. Yeah, competing. So, I mean, you know. Sphere of influence, From Ricky Herb in Barnegat, New Jersey. Remember Barnegat Bridge and Bay, Frankie Valley sang about oh, there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear song. Dr. Grandpa, I think I speak for a lot of people, and it took me weeks to write this, but it's Haribo, not Haribo. <laughs> You're killing us. From Elliot Olshansky in Comac, New York, on Long Island, Suffolk County. On Friday's show, you said that no one eats one gummy bear at a time. I beg to differ. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I are currently in the process of toilet training our second child, a masculine child, and his reward for peeing in the potty is, in fact, a single Haribo gummy bear. Recently, however, he has been more reluctant to go to the bathroom, requiring alternative motivation. Since his Huggies pull-ups depict Mickey Mouse playing a piano, I have started singing, I have a piano in a Mickey voice, and the child sits down in order to stop my singing. Perhaps if I upgrade to the softer, more flavorful Albany's gummy bears, he'll be more enticed, but we still have a lot of Haribo left from Halloween. Best regards from Suffolk County, where Stony Brook University was recently designated, I hate Stony Brook, <laughs> by Governor Kathy Hochul as one of two flagship SUNY campuses along with Buffalo. What? What? <laughs> Reports that Governor Hochul, who I hope gets unelected next time, concluded her announcement with Edith Kornheiser could not be... Buffalo and Stony Brook over Binghamton? Are you kidding me? That seems like a travesty. That, that's recall. Yes. That's a recall. One more. Ara Coliance, formerly in Detroit, now in West Lafayette, Indiana, but never Revere. I'm always confused about how you begin your shows. You continually say before we get to the show, and then you talk about weather and traffic and gifts received and so on. This assumes that we listen to your show for your sports analysis. No. We listen to your show for weather, traffic, and gifts received. So please kindly stop telling us when the show will begin. We know when the show begins, when we hear you talk about the weather on your street. Shout on your bike tonight, everyone, as always. Do wear right. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. Some go long like Brady, last a lifetime through Picasso, who had a kid when he was 82. Then there's folks like Salinger, Barry Sanders, Borb and Gold, getting burned breath and say goodnight like Edgar Allan Poe. For you even barely know them, they're gone. Was it yesterday we were playing football on the lawn? I remember every batted ball and forward pass Just give me one more day Out on the grass Did you see Mark the Bird Fidrich Doing weird stuff on the mound? Did you ever hit a homer? Can you recall the sound? Did you see Ali in 65 when he was really fast? I'd give you name of Magic Johnson, Eddie Murphy, Serena's charisma, but on you it wouldn't last. For we even barely know them, they're gone. I remember playing croquet on the lawn, Orson Welles, Dwight Gooden. Hardball after mass Ooh, Just give me one 